Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, church, good morning. I just want to start off, I want to ask, how many of you were here last week? Show me your hands if you were here last week. Okay, I want to encourage you, uh, this is a continuation of a message that I was not able to finish last week. So if you missed last week, I want to encourage you, get online, fellowshipgj.com. You can watch it there. You can watch it on our YouTube channel or our podcast. But make sure you catch up on this because we are getting down to the practicality of how is it that we take the steps to have emotional health. We've been in this series, Emotional Health, and the premise of this is that God has given you and I, he's given each one of us feelings, but he's given us those feelings so that we would live with them, but not to be led by them. That feelings are not a bad thing, but, but they're, they're supposed to be indicators in our life to show us that there's something going on, but they're never to be dictators. Like the gauges on the dashboard of our car, like we need to, the lights to blink and let us know if there's something going on, but they're not supposed to be the guides in our life. And last week, uh, we started talking about getting real practical. If, if I'm going to live a life where I'm not just being led by my emotions, um, then I have to identify where are they coming from? And we started talking about not fighting the feelings because you can go through your entire life fighting the feeling, fighting the fruit of a feeling and, and like trying to find a way, how can I find a way to be less sad today? And maybe we cut that, that sadness out for a little bit or we find a way to cut away a little bit of hurt, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of depression. We find a way to cut it away. But the problem with that is, is if we cut it away and we haven't dealt with the root system, that issue that we dealt with that we feel good about right now, uh, <laughs> it's gonna come back. And I feel like that's been a frustration a lot of us have dealt with is we've cut it away, but then it came back. So we're talking about the fact that when you're fighting your feelings, you're fighting the fruit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't fight the fruit. Man, that is a weird thing to tell your neighbor. I don't know, where, but don't fight the fruit. Don't fight the fruit. Because if I want to get into a life where I'm not living in my feelings and living in my emotions, uh, I've got to identify the root that is causing the fruit to grow in the first place. I can't spend my life fighting the feelings. I've, I've got to spend my life fighting the lie. And that, that's what the Bible shows us is that the root is a lie, a lie coming from the enemy. The, the Bible calls it a stronghold. And the Bible shows us that we have power to demolish strongholds, that, that, that through our relationship with God, through his word, that these strongholds could be torn down. And we started talking about the fact that we are no longer going to just deal with our feelings and, and, and hope that we can manage our feelings for the rest of our lives. But instead, we are going to take a, a good look at what's really going on and we're going to identify the lie, identify the root and replace 
replace it with the truth. So last week we started talking about this and we got through um, three points of a seven point message. And uh, I really hope to finish this today. Do you think that I could get through four points today? Pray for me that I can get through seven points today. We got, we got a conference going on on youth workers. Youth workers are in the back interceding right now going, dear Jesus, help them to stop because we got to go. So, so I want to pray right now and we are going to dive into this. Um, this, is, this is more than just a message. This is more than just getting together and singing songs. God wants to transform your life. He wants to free you from areas where you've been struggling with. And I believe that his presence in this room, he can do that for you right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with us in this room. God, we already know you're here. We pray that we would be sensitive to the fact that you're here. We recognize you and that God, we would, we would see what it is that you want to change in us. So God, help us to identify the lies identify these negative emotions and God help us to replace these emotions with your truth so we can live the type of abundant life you want for us. In Jesus name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well guys, last week uh, we started this off talking about seven roots of negative emotions, seven roots of negative emotions. Number one, we talked about fear. And we learned about the fact that, that one of these roots that we deal with is the root of fear. And, and really we learned the truth is that God is good. So if your situation's not good yet, then God's not done yet. And then we learned about jealousy and we, we learned the fact that, that our God, we don't have to be jealous because our God is inexhaustible. He has enough for everybody that, that he can bless you and he can bless you and he can bless me all at the same time. He can bless people on the other side of the world. He is inexhaustible. Then we learned about lust and we learned that God is a good shepherd and he knows what I need. Someone say he knows what I need. And now I wanna to move to the fourth root issue that we're gonna talk about. And that is the root issue of anger. Someone say anger. You don't sound very angry. Try that again. Say anger. Anger, anger. See, anger can be a positive emotion or it can be a negative emotion. It can be positive. You know, when, when we see injustice, when we've been hurt, the Bible calls that righteous indignation that, that we should, there be, should be things that happen in our life that make us angry. But God puts some parameters around that. In the book of Ephesians, he tells us, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so it's okay for you to be angry, but your anger is not an excuse to sin. And then he goes on and says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So in other words, he's saying, don't have unbridled anger. And then he's saying, don't have anger without an expiration date. And that's the type of anger that we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a root of anger, anger that gets down deep on the inside and it manifests as rage. It manifests as dishonor, it manifests as bitterness. And see, anger is rooted in the lie, okay? Because we're, we're not just talking about the fruit, okay? Because we can all find a way today to not be angry. We got to get to the issue, what's really going on. Well, well, the lie, the root of where it comes from, anger is rooted in the lie that God is not a vindicator. Anger is rooted in the lie of a belief that God is not a vindicator. And we have to understand where it's coming from because we've learned that anger is a secondary emotion. 
And, and there's so many of us, we deal with anger from day to day. And I'm angry about this and I'm angry about that. And can you believe she wore that dress? And can you believe he said that? And you were just, we get in the car and we're like, ah! And we wonder like, where is this coming from? Why am I so angry? Well, well there's a root that it comes from. And the root is, is rooted in the lie that, that God is not a vindicator. It's based on the lie that God won't heal the pain that I'm feeling. Number one, he, number two, he, God won't use the pain that I'm going through to promote me to a place that I wouldn't be able to get to without it. It's based on the lie that God uh, is, isn't gonna handle those people that harm me. Actually, I think there's a part two to that because maybe if we would just be real for a minute, it's like if God is gonna handle those people, he's not doing it quick enough, right? I mean, where are my real people at? You can just sit there and act like you're on church face Sunday. Everyone's out like, like, no, God, that person ticked me off. Do something about it, right? I'm watching. Yeah, are they going to get a flat tire? Like maybe something could happen to their engine, right? Like, am I the only one that thinks this way? <laughs> like, Lord, help me. Can we just stop? Let's stop and pray for me for a moment. No, just, but it, it's number one, it's based on life, that God won't heal the pain that I'm feeling. Two, that God won't use the pain that I'm going through to promote me to a place that I wouldn't be able to get to without it. Or three, that God isn't going to handle those who harm me. But, but the truth is, if I let him, God will heal me from the pain of the offense. Key there is if I let him. And on the second part of that, if I let him, he will use the pain to, to push me into a place that I wouldn't be able to go without it. But the key there is if I let him. And I think we can recognize that. We can recognize that maybe we've gone through some pain in our life that we're farther along now because of it. I've gone through some pain that I'm stronger now because of it. I've gone through some pain that, that I'm wiser now because of it. I've gone through some pain, I'm better, I'm more humble, I'm more focused because of the pain I went through. But we have to allow God to be able to, to say, you know what, God, this hurts right now, but I'm gonna trust that you can use this to promote me and to move me forward. That you're not doing this just to keep me stuck somewhere, but you're allowing me to go through something because you're allowing me to go forward. And then three, he will handle those who harm me, but he doesn't handle them the way I think he should. And I, I feel like that's kind of the, the, the deal that we deal with, the thing here a lot of times is, let's be honest, with those people that harm us, we just want God, God, would you just wipe them out? <laughs> would you just take them out? I mean, you sit there with a smug look on your face and act like you never feel this way, but <laughs> so I know I'm not the only uh, person with this issue. Like, God, can you just handle them? Like, I am sick and tired of them being around all the time. Like, how about, Jim lost his job. Could she lose her job too? Like, maybe like, could you take her out? And we think that like the way God should handle it is he should just take them out. But the truth is most of the time, he handles them by keeping them alive. Most of the time, God handles your enemies by, by keeping them around. What? That doesn't make much sense. That doesn't sound like vindication. What are you talking about here? Well, this is what David was coming to when, when he was coming to the realization that he had a lot of enemies. He had a lot of people that he was frustrated with. They were trying to kill him. He had people he hated. He told God about it. 
And this is what he said is about God being his vindicator. In Psalms 23, verse five, he says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So the lie is, is that God is not a vindicator, but the truth is God sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies because sometimes the way God acts as your vindicator is he, he allows you to prosper in the presence of those who hate you. He, he allows you to, to get the promotion. He allows you to be blessed. He allows you to have the good relationship in spite of what they did to you. Oh, but they hurt me and they need to get theirs. Maybe getting theirs is watching you be happy even though they can't do anything about it. It's like, there's gonna be people who don't like you because they don't like you. And see, this is what David was getting to. You read the Psalms and man, I love how honest David is in the Psalms. I love that he just gets real. You know, there is a verse in the Psalms where he says, God, would you just break their jaw? Like, like, I don't want them to be able to eat right or talk right or anything like, I don't like, when they talk, it ticks me off. When they eat, it ticks me off. Like I want them to be to break their jaw. There's times where he's like, you know, God, all of my enemies, I got this great idea. Every one of them, would you just kill them? <laughs> like, that's David. He's talking there. And then David, well, like after he's praying, he's being honest with God, I can't stand these people. Do something about it. He later comes back and goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I understand now. Because God, what you did is you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In spite of what they did, I'm blessed. In spite of how they hurt me and they rejected me, I'm still doing all right. So God is a vindicator, but, but he doesn't vindicate us by just taking everybody out that ever ticks us off. Sometimes what he does is he uses the blessings of our lives to teach the world around us a lesson that you don't mess with my kids because I love my kids and it doesn't matter what you do to them, I'm gonna bless them more than what you can do to them. Do you know your God loves you? And see, when we go through life believing the lie that God is not a vindicator, then we grow this fruit of anger. Like, oh, can you believe who they put in office? Oh, can you believe what they did here? Oh, can you believe they raised taxes? Oh, can you believe that? And we go through life just thinking, oh my gosh, everything's gonna end horribly because we believe that somehow God's not a vindicator, like he's not watching, he's not gonna take care of things. And, and, and we look at scripture and we see that, wait a minute, what's God gonna do? He's gonna keep our enemies around so our enemies can see how good he is to those kids that he loves. So we don't deal with anger, we deal with the lie. The lie that God's not a vindicator, he is a vindicator. God sets a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You ready for the next one, number, number five, stress. Number five is stress. Stress is intense pressure internally. Stress is intense pressure internally and it manifests as worry or impulsiveness or irritability. Man, don't you know when you get stressed out, you can get irritable. Everything can just tick you off. Like you get stressed out and people start chewing gum wrong. You're like, man, why are you chewing? Close your mouth while you chew. You hungry or something? Mouth breathing, chewing over here. Go to lunch, right? 
like a stress. Manifest as worry. You, you're, going, you're going through your day having conversations about a meeting that might take place in the future in your head. So like now, it's like, it's Monday, right? And your boss says, hey, I might want to meet with you on Thursday. So now you're thinking about what's he want to meet with me about on Thursday. Maybe it's about those reports. Maybe I didn't get the reports done right. So I've got to, I got to think about, here's going to be my answer if it's about the reports. If it's about something, if it's about my work hours, then here's going to be my answer there. And all of a sudden you're dealing with all of this stress and all of this worry, all of this anxiety on, on, on Monday about something that could take place on Thursday. But the Bible says we're not even promised to, to tomorrow. So we don't even know if the meeting's ever going to take place. And yet your body is experiencing the same emotions, the same pain, the same chemicals being released in your brain. And it is affecting you and affecting your blood pressure and affecting your sleep. And it never even happened. Man, stress is, it can mess you up. Stress can get you to a place where it's like, like you just, you, you, you're going through life just feeling out of control, out of control. I'm out of control. I'm out of control. And that's where the lie of stress comes from because you can't just go, I'm gonna get rid of stress. I'm gonna find some way to get rid of the stress. Well, stress is rooted in the lie that if things are out of my control, then they must be out of God's control too. Let me say that again. Stress is rooted in the lie that if things are out of my control, they must be out of God's control too. Because it, just because things are out of, God's, out of my control doesn't mean that they're out of God's control. See, the pressure that you feel is not pressure that you have to bear alone. And sometimes God uses stress and he allows us to go through stressful things in our life to reveal to us the inadequacies of those people and those crutches that we lean on when we're stressed. Sometimes he allows us to go through things because he, he wants us to recognize what we've been leaning on is not gonna help us bear the burden because what you need when you're stressed is someone to bear the burden with you. Not just to give you a momentary relief from the burden, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that what God is trying to do is he's trying to, to, to show you how bad someone is that you're leaning on. They could be a wonderful person, but, but when you try to lean on someone and try to make them bear the burden, you're trying to make someone the, your rock. And Jesus says, I'm your rock. I'm the one you lean on. I'm the one that bears the burdens because we don't need someone to just give us momentary relief from a burden because that's what friends will do. Friends will be like, man, let's go out. You just need to get your mind off this for a little bit. So let's go out, let's relax, let's go to the beach, let's go out tonight, it's gonna be fun, we'll, we'll just chill. And the, the truth is the burden though, when you go out, the burden's sitting at home waiting on you and you've done it. I've done it too, where you, you, you go, you're just trying to do anything you can, get your mind off of it. And then you come home from hanging out with your friends and the burden's like, yep, I knew you'd be back, here I am. And God shows us sometimes when we go through stress that, that maybe what we're leaning on is not gonna be able to bear the burden with us. And, and I say that because I wonder if maybe you've gone through a season, I know I've gone through a season where you go through some, something stressful and the first thing you do is not drop to your knees, but you pick up the phone. Maybe the first thing you do is you call someone. 
You get, you get online, you start Googling something where, and God, God shows us, it's like, listen, these things, like the, they might give you momentary relief, but they're not gonna bear the burden. So, so, so stress is rooted in the lie that if things are out of, uh, out of uh, my control, they must be out of God's control. But the truth is that God is in control and he will bear your burdens with you. Because we come back to our house and we come back to our work situation. We see the burden sitting there and, and, and we think, how can I escape it again? How can I escape it again? How can I escape it again? When God is saying, listen, just, just come to me and I will carry it with you. I'll be your rock. I'll, I'll, I'll take you through this. And once we start recognizing, wait a minute, wait a minute. The same thing that was the lie that started this whole thing off is that I, I'm out of control. Well, well, if we realize I'm out of control and that's a good thing because it's supposed to point me towards the fact that God is in control, then you go, wait a minute, I don't have to go through life anymore trying to figure out how to be less stressed. I don't have to trim this apple off anymore because I know it'll grow back, but I can get to the root of it and go, you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like to me today because what I believe and what I know as a follower of God is that he is in control and he is good. He is good. You gotta stop fighting the feeling, stop fighting the fruit and start trusting the fact that your God is in control. Number six, number six, pride. Pride is an overestimation of oneself or one's ability. And it manifests as an unteachable attitude or presumption or undisciplined opinions. You don't have to go very far before you hear undisciplined opinions. You don't have to be around someone for very long. I mean, just get on social media, like drive in behind a Subaru or something. You'll see all sorts of, whoa, where did that come from? I mean, or, 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 a, or a lifted pickup truck, right? Anywhere you can find, listen, I'm just, I'm just saying anywhere you can find bumper stickers, that's all. Like, man, there's opinions everywhere. Un, undis, I just, I vomited out an undisciplined opinion right there. Like, I don't know where that kid, Jesus, help me. Let's bring it, bring it back here. Pride has two extremes, or this, this issue has two extremes. It has pride and arrogance on one side. The other side of it would be like a lack of confidence or, 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 or just kind of like insecurity. But biblical living is right in the middle. Following Christ is balanced. And see, pride is rooted in the lies. This is the lie that pride is rooted in. Pride is rooted in the lie that my strengths cancel out my weaknesses. Pride comes from believing that my strengths can cancel out my weaknesses. Now understand this. Um, we have to understand what humility is. Humility is being able to see your strengths without ignoring your weaknesses. To see that, yeah, I'm good at this over here, but the truth is I need grace for this over here. Like I, I'm doing all right in this area of my life, but man, I need grace over here. And, and really we even start to recognize that those areas where I am successful, I did work hard and, I, I, and I, I did put in the effort, but the truth is God made up for those weaknesses. It was grace that made up the difference because it wasn't just me. So there's this lie that comes with pride that I can just get good enough. 
I can just read enough books. I can just, I can just get powerful enough. I can just learn enough. I can, I can take all of the weakest parts of my game and I can make those the strongest parts of my game and then I'm gonna be perfect in all areas and I got this whole thing together. And, and it comes from a place that like, if I, if I can just get it all together. But see, humility comes from recognizing that, you know what, God has never given me anything that I deserve good or bad. He's always given me more good than I deserve. And he's always given me less bad than I deserve. And when we start looking at our life and going, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing good, but I'm doing good because he's blessed me. We start looking at people in the Bible like Naaman in 2 Kings. He was a powerful man. The Bible said he had great exploits, but the Bible also said he had a leper. He was a leper. So people would look at him and see from the outside, he had armor, he was powerful, he was great, he was in control. But the truth is he knew on the inside, I got some issues. And that's where a lot of us have got to get in our relationship with God is we've got to get to the place where, where we recognize, yeah, I am successful on the outside. I'm doing all right. My marriage is doing good. I'm getting strong, I'm getting healthy. I got these things going on. But the truth is I have issues on the inside that only by the grace of God am I still here. So humility is coming to a place of not, not ignoring the fact that we have problems because pride is rooted in thinking that you know, my strengths are gonna cancel out my weaknesses. But the truth is that God's grace makes up for my weaknesses. That's the difference. We see here, Paul, Paul had issues, right? And he said this in 2 Corinthians, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's going, God, would you, would you help me? Would you take all these issues away? And he's going, no. Paul, I'm gonna leave it there because it helps balance you. It helps balance you out. And I can't use you the way I need to use you if you're unbalanced, Paul. Don't you thank God that he balances you? I think sometimes, man, I get frustrated. I'm like, God, I just want everything to go good for a little while. Like, can't I fire on 10 and like every area of my life for a season? Like, can I, can I be good here and there and at work and at home? And, can I, and, and, and the reason why is because God is balancing us because the truth is when it comes to pride, the, the lie is that our strengths will make up for our weaknesses. But the truth that we have to replace that with is we're always gonna be weak. So we always need the grace of God. And that brings us, that brings us to the last route that I wanna talk about in our, in our closing. And that last one is shame. Someone say shame. shame. I don't know if I've ever seen a stronghold like this. Because shame is a feeling of humiliation caused by a consciousness of foolish decisions and wrong behaviors. But there's a difference. There's something different. There's, there's what the Bible calls conviction or repentance. And conviction is a gift from God. Conviction is, is God showing you, look, you're going in the wrong direction. So what I need to do is I need to turn you around. So he pulls us into a different direction. That's conviction. That's a gift. That's beautiful. But the enemy has set up a, a, a perversion of that, a lie called condemnation or shame. 
And the condemnation is set up to tell us, look, you've made mistakes, therefore you should stay away from God. You've made mistakes, therefore you're not good enough to go to church. You made mistakes, therefore you're not good enough for that job or for that spouse or for that position. You've made mistakes, so you're not good enough. That's condemnation. And there's a huge difference because conviction will turn you towards God. That's a gift. But condemnation and shame will, will, will cause you to, to run from God, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They, they sinned and they felt condemned because of the lie of the devil. And they decided, what am I going to do? I'm going to run from God. I'm going to hide from God. So what they did is they covered themselves with fig leaves. They're trying to cover up their shame. And, and fig leaves don't do much to cover up. It just takes a little bit of breeze and, and, and you're, you're exposed again. So God came and said, what you did didn't work. So let, let me show you something. And the Bible says that, that God killed animals and took animal skins and wrapped them around Adam and Eve. Now I don't, th this is fundamental to our faith church. We need to understand this. God put animal skins around Adam and Eve because he wants us to understand you can't get animal skins without the shedding of blood. So God was teaching us that you can't cover the shame of sin without the shedding of blood. And right here in the, 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 the beginning of our walk with God, he is showing us, look, there will be sin, there will be shame, there will be these problems, and, and there's gonna be things that need to be covered up, so I'm gonna cover it for you, and I'm gonna cover it with the shedding of blood so, so that when I look at you, you are covered, and you don't have to walk with your head down and walk in a life of feeling like, like you're just full of shame, but he said, instead, I'm going to do something, I'm going to shed blood, and that blood will cover your sin, and church, hear me, that is entirely and completely who Jesus Christ is. That you and I sin. You and I have all missed the mark. We've all failed. And Jesus said, you know what? I am willing to step down and I'm willing to let my perfect blood be shed to cover their sin, to cover their shame. So now when the heavenly father looks at you, he doesn't look at you and see your sin. He looks at you and he sees the perfect blood of Jesus over you. So he doesn't look at you and see shame. He looks at you and he sees righteousness and he sees acceptance and he sees perfection. He looks at you and he he sees exactly what he loves. He sees his son because he sees you're covered in his blood. In church, we only get that by receiving that free gift from him. Because Jesus said like, I love you enough to where I don't want you to live your life in shame, so I'll cover you. And, and then he takes it a step further to say, oh, and it's not just this life here now in the natural, he goes, eternally, if you allow yourself to be forgiven and covered in my blood, you're gonna be righteous to where you can be in the presence of the heavenly father. You can be forever at home in heaven. You can have eternal life. That shame thing can be taken care of. That you, your sin issue, it's taken care of. I did it on the cross and I offer it to you. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And the Bible says that for the wages of those sin is death, that you and I, we all deserve, that we all deserve to be separate from God. But he is saying, listen to me. He's saying, listen to me. If you believe in your heart, if you, sorry, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Adam and Eve could have seen the blood and could have seen the sacrifice and said, I don't want that and ran away and they could have stayed separate from God. But Jesus shed his blood and he offers it to you today. Would you receive the free gift of forgiveness? Would you receive the free gift of salvation? I wanna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. And, and I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. And I know we did this earlier in the service, but we're gonna do it again because I believe there are people in this room that you've never recognized that Jesus dying on the cross was to, to pay the price for your sins, to make a trade. He took your sin, you get to take his righteousness. He took your death, you get to take his eternal life. And right now I wanna give you an opportunity to just pray a prayer and accept that free gift and just receive a covering of the blood of Christ over your life. So everyone pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe you shed your blood for me on the cross. I believe you can give me a home forever in heaven. And I believe you rose again. So please forgive me of my sins and be my savior and take my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I know there are many of you that prayed that prayer for the first time. So before we dismiss, I wanna encourage you, before this day is over, tell someone, tell someone, in our, if you don't know anyone here, go to our information booth and tell someone, tell the person next to you, we'll high five you, we'll hug you because you're part of the family, you're forgiving, you're chosen. You don't have to walk in shame anymore. Now church, we are continuing to grow. We're continuing to grow and learn how to live emotionally healthy lives, but it's not gonna happen overnight. So before we leave, I wanna ask you to stand to your feet with me. I'm gonna pray for you one more time and pray that God would bless you as we go from this place, that we would continue to live the type of healthy life that he wants for us. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you identified the lies that the enemy has given us. And God, you replaced it with your truth. We thank you that you are truth. And God, we wanna listen to your voice only and live our lives your way. So bless us, God. Help us to change. Help us to look more like Jesus. And it's in your precious son, Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you, church. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. 
I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.